Farmer Joe decided uh, his injuries from the accident were serious enough to take the trucking company responsible for the accident to court. In court, the trucking company's fancy lawyer was questioning Farmer Joe. Didn't you say at the scene of the accident, I'm fine, questioned the lawyer? Farmer Joe, Farmer Joe responded, well, I'll tell you what happened. I had just loaded my favorite mule, Bessie, into the trailer. But just then the lawyer interrupted. I didn't ask for any details. Just answer the question. Did you not say at the scene of the accident, I'm fine? Farmer Joe said, Well, I just got Bessie into the trailer and I was driving down the road and the lawyer interrupted again. The lawyer then said to the judge, Your Honor, I am trying to establish the fact that at the scene of the accident, this man told the highway patrolman he was just fine. Now, several months later, after the accident, he is trying to sue my client. I believe he is a fraud. Please tell him to answer the question. By this time, the judge was fairly interested in Farmer Joe's answer and said to the lawyer, I'd like to hear what he has to say about his favorite mule, Bessie. (laughs) Farmer Joe thanked the judge and proceeded. Well, as I was saying, I had just loaded Bessie, my favorite mule, into the trailer and was driving her down the highway when this huge semi-truck and trailer ran the stop sign and smacked my truck right in the side. I was thrown into one ditch and Bessie was thrown into the other. I was hurting really bad, and I didn't want to move. However, I could hear old Bessie moaning and groaning. I knew she was in terrible shape. Shortly after the accident, a highway patrolman came on the scene. He could hear Bessie moaning and groaning, so he went over to her. After he looked at her, he took out his gun and shot her between the eyes. Then the patrolman came across the road with his gun in his hand and looked at me. 
He said, your mule was in such bad shape, I had to shoot her. How are you feeling? It was then that I said, I'm fine. If, if what I just shared <laughs> teaches us anything, before we jump to conclusions, before we rush to judgment, which we are all so prone to do, it's important we get more of the story. This morning, I want to share a story, a Christmas story about a man who needed a little more information to change his perspective on things and to believe the unbelievable. So if you have your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 1, and we will begin with verses 18 and 19. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. I'm assuming it's up behind me. Okay, thank you. We are told. Now the birth of Jesus was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph... Before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. This is the beginning of... Of the Christmas story told by Matthew. A Jew. A Jew who was hated by his own people. Considered the scum of the earth. Because he had collected taxes for the Romans. And also took a little extra for himself. Matthew was a traitor as far as the Jews were concerned. And now as an apostle, one of the original 12 disciples, surprisingly chosen by Jesus, once a man who took from his own people, now wants to give back a treasure by sharing with them the truth about Jesus. The Gospel of Matthew was intended for a Jewish audience. Okay? It was intended for a Jewish audience. Matthew begins the story by telling us that Joseph was betrothed to Mary. Meaning in those days, they were legally pledged to one another. Engaged to be married. And as was the Jewish custom 
after the betrothal ceremony where their engagement became official, they were to separate for a year before their wedding. Mary returned to her parents' home to prove she was not pregnant before the wedding. And Joseph went back to his father's house to build an addition where he and Mary would would live as husband and wife. So everything seems to be going according to plan. Things are falling into place for these two, but sometime after the betrothal ceremony, Mary got a surprise visit from the angel Gabriel. And in so many words, the angel told her, Congratulations, Mary. You're going to be a mother. Your baby will be a boy. No need for an ultrasound. And his name will be Jesus. No no need for a baby book. And oh, by the way, he is the Son of God. The long-awaited Messiah that you and your people have hoped for. Just thought you might want to know that. He is the King. Not a king, but the king who will ultimately rule forever. Well, after a little more information from Gabriel as to how this would happen to her supernaturally as she was a virgin, Mary replied to the angel and said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. In her reply, we could say that Mary handed God a blank sheet of paper and signed her name to the bottom of it, allowing God to fill in the details of his plan for her life. That's what she did. And as a virgin, she conceived by the Holy Spirit, just as the angel had said. Now, keep in mind, at this point, Joseph had no knowledge of any of this. But eventually, he He learns that Mary, his beloved bride, is pregnant. We're not told how Joseph found out. We're only told that she was found to be with child. That's all we're told. Maybe Mary told Joseph about the visit from the angel early on. Maybe that's what happened. Or maybe Mary kept it to herself and Joseph learned she was pregnant after she returned from her three-month visit with Elizabeth, who was also pregnant. 
Whatever the case, however it happened, Joseph found out about it. And more importantly, he had nothing to do with it. Joseph knew the child that Mary was carrying was not his child. Can you imagine the conversation between Joseph and Mary? In Max Licato's book, A Love Worth Giving, he writes, Joseph finds out that Mary is pregnant. He hasn't had any great revelation yet. What is he to think? What would you have thought if you were that man? You've fallen in love with this pretty young girl. You do the right things. You pursue her in the proper customary way. You've talked with her about her dreams for a future together. A house, a family. And then out of the blue, out of the blue, you learn this sweet girl you thought you knew so well is pregnant. Newly pregnant. And you don't know who the father is. But there is one person you can definitely rule out. How does it make you feel? Angry? Betrayed? What would you have thought if you were that man? Or, as her parents, as her parents, your teenage daughter came to you and said, I am pregnant, but don't worry, it's by the Holy Spirit. How could anyone be expected to believe the unbelievable. Joseph didn't believe it. He logically assumed, just like any of us would, Mary had been with another man. Either voluntarily, or maybe she was sexually assaulted. But her crazy, made-up story didn't make matters any better. And Joseph assumed the worst. Joseph loved Mary. He loved her. But at this point, he could no longer imagine a life with her. And he planned to break off the engagement. Now today, if you're engaged and things don't work out, you can just break it off and go your separate ways with no strings attached, right? But it was completely different 
back then in their culture. According to Old Testament law, specifically Deuteronomy chapter 22, Joseph could have publicly exposed Mary in open court for allegedly cheating on him while they were engaged. And could have had her stoned by the men of the city. That's the law. That was an option for Joseph. That was an option. It was a rare option, but it was a real option nonetheless. The other option was a divorce. In those days, being engaged, being betrothed, was legally binding. It was legally binding, and to break it off required a filing for divorce. They took engagement very seriously. It was as legal as marriage. And if Joseph wants out of it, he has to file for divorce. Unfortunately, this would expose Mary to terrible shame and disgrace in front of her family and in front of her friends, leaving her future in serious jeopardy. And apparently, that was just too much for Joseph to consider. We're told that Joseph was a righteous man, which does not speak about his perfection, for we know he was not perfect, but rather it speaks about his direction, his walk towards God. Simply put, it describes a person who wants to do what is right towards God. And so, without any malice, without revenge on his part, he planned to send her away Secretly. In other words, Joseph could no longer stay with Mary. So he planned to divorce her quietly. Possibly out of town. Under the radar, so to speak. With very few witnesses. To protect Mary's reputation the best he could and avoid a huge scandal. For Joseph, this was as bad as it gets. But he wants to do the honorable thing for Mary so they can go their separate ways and hopefully start over. Even though it's just a matter of time before people put two and two together And figure it out. And we know this was the case. For one day, Jesus was having a conversation with some people who wrongly thought they were religious in God's eyes simply because they were related to Abraham. And in this conversation, in John chapter 8, verse 41, these self-righteous religious people said this to Jesus. We 
we're not born of fornication. We have one father, God. This was a dig on Mary, insinuating that she had been unfaithful to Joseph. And that's what Joseph is thinking at this point. For Joseph, it would be impossible to stay with Mary. For as far as he knew, she had been unfaithful and untruthful. But he did not want to hurt her, even though he was hurt. So he planned to divorce her secretly and quietly. That's what's going on in his mind. But Joseph was still unsettled about the whole thing. He was still troubled. So let's see what happens in verses 20 and 21. But when he considered this, Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Joseph had a plan to send Mary away. But things just didn't add up for Joseph. And he continued to wrestle with it in his mind. And while he was wrestling with it, He fell asleep. And things got interesting. We're told an angel appeared to Joseph in a dream. Maybe it's Gabriel again. Don't know. But the angel appeared to Joseph in a dream because Joseph needed something more. And something more is what the angel brought. Joseph, son of David, I know who you are. I know you. Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For I also know what you're thinking, Joseph. Mary has not been unfaithful. To you. Yes, yes, she has conceived, but not because she was unfaithful, but on the contrary, because she was faithful. She was faithful. She believed God, and as unbelievable as it may sound to you, Joseph. The child has been conceived by the Holy Spirit. The angel continues and tells Joseph, Mary will have a son. And Joseph, 
you will name him Jesus. For he will save his people from their sin. Joseph, Jesus has a purpose. Not to start a holiday, but to save people from their sins. I mentioned the last week that the good news of Christmas is really good when we realize we're not so good and we need a Savior. We are all sinners by nature and by choice. Every single one of us. And we cannot save ourselves. We are helpless and hopeless. And if that's not bad enough, there is a death penalty for sin. For all sin. Jesus came for a reason to save us from the power of sin and the penalty of sin. He was the sacrificial lamb that God had sent to take away the sins of the world. Jesus would grow up, lead a sinless life in a sinful world, and He willingly paid our sin debt in full by His own death on the cross. Christmas is much more than a baby in a manger. We cannot separate the manger from the cross or we miss the reason behind Christmas altogether. Earlier I told you that Matthew was a Jew. And his intended audience for this gospel were Jews. And with that in mind, Matthew breaks in for a moment. This is not coming from the angel. And he gives us a commentary in verses 22 and 23. And he says... Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. Here Matthew inserts a divinely inspired comment for his Jewish readers who he knows full well will find it hard to believe this unbelievable story. Really. Mary, a virgin, is pregnant with a child by the Holy Spirit. Really? You expect me to believe that? That's kind of crazy, isn't it? Who's ever, who's ever heard of such a thing? It's craziness to which Matthew would reply 
Look in your own scripture. And he quotes what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah some 700 years prior. A child would be born to a virgin. The Son of God would take on a body of flesh. He would maintain the kingly line of David forever and he would be with us. Emmanuel. That is the description of who Jesus is. God with us. Matthew is telling them this unbelievable story was in keeping with prophecy from their own book, the Old Testament. This was a fulfillment of a promise from God they should know. So why is this so hard to believe? A man stayed home as his family went off to church one snowy Christmas Eve. He just couldn't swallow the Jesus story about God coming to earth as a man. It was ridiculous. Shortly after his family drove away in the car, he went to the window to watch the flurries get heavier and heavier. Then he went to his fireside chair and began to read his newspaper. Minutes later, he started to hear the, a thudding sound. Then another and another At first, he thought someone must be throwing snowballs against his living room window. But when he went to the front door, he found a flock of birds huddled miserably in the snow. They had been caught in the storm, and in a desperate search for shelter, they had tried to fly through his large living room window. Well, they couldn't let the poor creatures lie there and freeze. He remembered the barn where his children had stabled their pony. That would provide a warm shelter if he could direct the birds to it. He quickly put on his coat and shoes, trampled through the deepening snow to the barn, opened the door wide, and turned on a light. But the birds did not come in. He figured food would entice them in. And he hurried back to the house, fetched some breadcrumbs, and sprinkled them on the snow, making a trail to the wide open doorway of the stable. But to his dismay, the birds ignored the breadcrumbs and continued to flap around helplessly in the snow. He tried catching them. He tried shooing them into the barn by walking around waving his arms. Instead, they scattered in every direction except into the warm, lighted barn. Then he realized they were afraid of him. To them, he reasoned, I am a strange and terrifying creature. If only I could think of some way to let them know they can trust me. That I'm not trying to hurt them, but to help them. How? 
Any move he made tended to frighten them, confuse them. They just would not follow. They would not be led or shooed because they feared him. If I could only be a bird myself, he thought. If I could only be a bird and mingle with them and speak their language and tell them not to be afraid and show them the way to the safe, warm barn. But I'd have to be one of them so they could see and hear and follow me. And it was then he understood what God did and why God did it. I mean, think about it. Think about it. History tells us that God performed signs and wonders and miracles. But his people dismissed them. They made excuses for them or quickly forgot they had ever happened. God spoke to his people. He sent prophets and messengers, but they refused to listen or in some cases killed them. God put it on paper, wrote it out in divinely inspired scripture, but they wouldn't read it or they twisted it to support their own desires and agenda. So out of sheer love, Jesus stepped out of heaven and took on a body of flesh. On Christmas, he became like us. Jesus met us in a sinful world, and yet he lived a sinless life. And then later, he took our sin upon himself. Jesus came to us to save us from our sins. Gave up his life for ours so that we might be made right with God. Become children of God and experience eternal life. His life. The only way. Jesus could save us from our sin was to leave heaven, to live among us, to die for us. And that's what Christmas is all about. In verses 24 and 25, we are told, And Joseph awoke from his sleep, And did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. And took Mary as his wife. But kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. Joseph believed the unbelievable. And how do we know this? Because what we believe determines what we do. Our beliefs influence our actions. Our behavior reflects what we truly, really 
believe. For example, if we say we believe God, okay, if we say we believe God, and yet we live as if He really does not matter in our lives. What does that say? What does that say? Actions do speak louder than words. We're told Joseph believed God. And we know this because he obeyed God. And took Mary as his wife. That's how we know. Now you know the rest of the story. Joseph took Mary to Bethlehem. Because he had to register in his hometown for a census. Joseph wants to take care of his new wife. And she's very pregnant by now. And he's desperate to find a room. Any room. But it's completely useless because others have come out of town as well to register for the census. There's no room anywhere. Nothing is panning out. They were homeless. And tradition tells us they likely had to stay in a cave where animals were being sheltered. How gut-wrenching must that have been for Joseph? Without family, without friends, without a midwife to help, Mary delivered the deliverer. Then Jesus was wrapped in cloth and laid in a feeding trough. That's what the manger is. It's a feeding trough. Surely, surely, this isn't what Joseph had imagined for the Son of God. No huge celebration. No fanfare. No parade, no banquet. For Joseph, nothing. Except for some animals and a few shepherds who would show up later. But that's what God does, doesn't He? He does the unexpected. He does the unimaginable. He does the unbelievable. Eight days later, Joseph took his new family to the temple to dedicate the baby. And it was there that the baby was officially given the name Jesus by Joseph. For in that culture, it was the duty of the father to give the name. And in doing so, 
Joseph would go on record accepting Jesus as his own. Isn't that what God desires for each of us? That we too would accept Jesus as our own. We need to. The Apostle Paul tells us in Acts chapter 4 verse 12. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven which has been given among men by which we must be saved. That's why Jesus came. That's what Christmas is really about. God sent a gift. His own Son. That we might be saved. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time together in your word. This was actually a simple message, Lord. I know I made it harder than it has to be, but it's simple. That you sent Jesus into this world to save us because we could not save ourselves. Out of love, you did that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for doing the unbelievable. Father, I pray even now that you would just move in our midst, move in our hearts and our minds. That you would just draw us closer to you. Give us your heart. Help us to experience you, Lord God. Draw us to yourself. May you be honored and glorified in our lives, in our thoughts, in our actions. May you be honored and glorified and lifted up, for you are the only one who can save. Thank you for Christmas. In Jesus' name, amen. You know what's really unbelievable? Might even be more unbelievable than the story I just shared with you. That the Lord would would save a wretch like me. Isn't that absolutely unimaginable, unbelievable, that he would save a wretch like me and like you? In spite of our hatefulness, 
in spite of our unforgiveness, in spite of our ill tempers and our anger, in spite of our arrogance and our self-righteousness, I threw that in just in case you don't think I'm talking about you. In spite of our our deviant and immoral thoughts and our sinful actions, in spite of all of that, isn't it unbelievable that God still loves you and me? Still. Still. That's wild. And even though we were yet sinners, Christ would die for us. He knows us as we truly are. We put, we, I mean, we put on our little, little facades here, right? We're in church. But He knows us exactly as we truly are. And unbelievably... He still loves us and sent His Son to die in our place, knowing who we are. Isn't that wild? And even crazier, in spite of us, He wants a relationship with us. He desires a relationship with us. And like Joseph, he asks that we accept his son by faith. That we would, he, he's, he's coming to us. Accept his son by faith and walk with him. That's what he desires. We make it so much harder than it has to be. He loves us. And he wants to come into our lives. We have to accept him. Maybe you're here this morning and you've, you know what, you've been in church many, many times. How's the relationship? Is it intimate? Just going through the motions? Just going through the motions? You know, I said earlier, we can say we love Jesus. We can say we follow Jesus. But if we live our lives as if He doesn't matter. I'm going to do what I want, when I want, how I want. He's just an afterthought. Just an afterthought. Then do you really love him? Are you really following? Really? 
And in spite of all that, he still loves us. It's just, just mind-boggling. In spite of us, he still loves us. If you don't know him, he wants you to accept him. He loves you. He sent his son for you. To save you from the power and the penalty of sin. Jesus took our payment on himself on a cross so that we might live, experience eternal life. That's what he wants from us. The greatest gift we could ever receive on Christmas. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I would love to introduce you to him. If you want to join this church, come on up, let me know. Okay. <laughs> I'm assuming that's a... <laughs> okay. <laughs> Stay right there. <laughs> Thank you, Liz. <laughs> if you need somebody to pray, you can have a seat there. If you, if you need somebody to pray with you, I'd love to pray with you as well. However the Lord moves you, however the Lord leads you, just be obedient to Him. Liz, come on up. Liz has been... Uh, Visiting with us for a month. Has it been a month? It's been a month. Okay, and I haven't chased you off yet? Nope. Okay. Not feel like <laughs> so she's a glutton for punishment. <laughs> I, I've talked with Liz and, and she knows Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior and, and she would like to make this her church home. And so she's coming this morning to make it official. And so yeah, awesome. You kind of shocked me there. <laughs> but that's what she does. That's right. Absolutely. So, uh, church, if you are in favor of accepting her in the church body, can I get an amen? Amen. You're, you're a member now. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Thank you. So let me, uh, let me pray for our offering uh, this morning and also for our fellowship and also to remind you of the of the work we still have to do with regards to the meals on wheels. So anyway, Father, I thank you so much again for your love and your mercy. I thank you, Father, for your grace. I thank you for your forgiveness. I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for sending him into this world on a Christmas day to go to the cross years later for us. May you be honored and glorified. Father, bless uh, our, our time of, of uh, receiving gifts and offerings. Lord God, bless the gift and bless the giver. Help us, Lord God, to be cheerful givers. And Lord God, as a church, uh, help us, Lord God, to use your money wisely. Again, it is your money. And Father, for our fellowship. Father, I pray it would be a sweet time uh, together uh, just to enjoy one another. Bless the food. Uh, bless the, those uh, who partake it and those who brought it. And again, Father, thank you for, for who you are and what you are going to do. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.